0: for our performance, which will be on March 9th at 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time. We don't have streaming set up quite yet, but we're working on it because we know a lot of you aren't in New York. But if you are or if you can get here, we hope that you'll get your tickets and come join us because it's going to be a blast. Hey, everyone. Before we begin this week's episode, we'd like to thank our newest patrons. So shout out to Emma, Marianne, Anna, Pita, and someone whose name on Patreon is Anaphylactic Shock. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. If you want to be like these awesome people and get access to bonus content, such as our notes, outtakes, and more, head on over to patreon.com slash podandprejudice. If you want to support the show but becoming a patron isn't your thing, you can show your love by buying a sticker at podandprejudice.com merch. A huge thank you to everyone who's already bought one. And now, enjoy this week's episode covering the second half of episode two of the 1995 version of Pride and Prejudice with our guest, Mike Schubert. I'm going to bring this up again because I'm going to just bring it up until the world ends, but Jennifer Eel is in Fifty Shades of Grey, oh. and I'm just going to keep saying it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know who she plays, but she, like, doesn't have a huge Hollywood career because the actress in
1: general, like, try to avoid doing too much Hollywoody stuff because she likes being just an actor, mm-hmm. but she is, like, weirdly, the one thing she's done that's really famous is the trilogy of Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah.
0: That brings us into scene five. We hear the gossip about Wickham pursuing Miss King and I guess becoming engaged to her, which I don't actually know if that happens in the book, but um, it happens in the movie. Uh, Wait, you're nodding like it does happen in the book. Uh, No, no, I think it.
1: Here, what I gathered is that like it's like a Bingley Jane situation oh, Okay, people are
0: talking about them getting engaged
1: but they haven't gotten engaged.
0: Okay so we're hearing that happen as the camera kind of goes from window to window of the house and we see like the windows are frosted over. We see that it's snowy outside. I really loved this shot and we hear I think it's Kitty says I wish someone would die and leave, leave me 10,000 pounds then all the officers would be violently in love with me and everyone like giggles about it and you know just Let's stop talking about killing off Daddy Bennett because we talk about it too much. Yeah, too much. Yeah. And we hear a letter from Jane. And the action of the letter is, again, played out. We hear that Jane is in London. She's been there for quite some time. And in the letter, she talks about how she heard from Caroline Bingley. Caroline had said that both of Jane's letters to her got lost in the mail. Like, she hadn't heard that she was there, which is, again... We hate Caroline Bingley. She's a liar. Jane's letters did not get lost in the oh, mail. Oh, sorry. I'm just seeing this text. Yeah, I'm just seeing this now. Oh, my God. I didn't know you were oh, here Oh, my for God. Weeks. so sorry. Yeah. Sorry for the delay. Yeah.
2: It's very The Notebook. I lost all the letters. Yes!
0: <laughs> I wrote to you every day for three weeks, and you didn't show up. Oh, lol. Well, I didn't see them. <laughs> and there's no mom stealing the letters in this movie, so we know that it's just Caroline being a dick. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, side note. Jane's cape in this scene, also amazing. I'm living for it. Bring back capes 2020, please. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Lizzie rolls her eyes at that, knowing obviously the letters did not get lost in the mail. Jane waits for her for three weeks. And then finally, Caroline comes and she acts like an asshole. And Jane finally realizes that Caroline's an asshole. And the music in this
1: part is just like this bouncy, like bitch music, if you know what I mean.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I want that to be... An official genre on Spotify. So at the end of the year, when they do your like 2020 rap it's like, what are your most popular genres? Bouncy bitch.
1: <laughs> yep. Please. <laughs> yes. And it's all music that just goes dun 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 dun, dun and it goes into a like <laughs> minor key.
0: <laughs> yes. Bouncy yes. bitch. Perfect spin music. Wow. We should get T-shirts that say bouncy bitch. <laughs> please. I don't think you can put that over women's chest Just saying. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> now we need to do it though oh god oh god we do now. so good so caroline also tells jane that bingley knows that she's there and doesn't want to see her because he's too busy with georgie and that's also a bold-faced lie but that is the end of that scene The one thing I have from
1: this part is I don't have a study questions, but I was watching this with my boyfriend who doesn't know how Pride and Prejudice ends. And he just turned to me and he goes, did Caroline tell Bingley that Jane has syphilis? Yikes.
0: She might have honestly, at well, that time. She could
1: have, but we now know that's not what happened. No,
0: that's not what happened. She didn't tell him anything. Darcy did, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So Lizzie in scene six is walking along the road. And I've noticed that Lizzie always has like a branch in her hand. Like she always pulls something off a tree and then just like waves it around as she walks.
2: I did see that. And I wondered if it was something where the directors were like, okay, no, make sure you grab something out of the tree. And I wondered if they had to do this scene multiple times, would she have grabbed so much out of that branch that they had to find a new tree right? to grab stuff <laughs> out of?
0: <laughs> yeah, they just like slowly work their way across the lawn and they're like, okay, this is where we're going to do it. Then that tree is bare, right? We're going over there. But she <laughs> always has something in her hand, which is relatable because if you're hanging out outside. Yeah, I'm outside, a fidgeter. Yeah, I'm always like picking stuff, like picking off the ground or like picking off a tree and just like playing with it. So we love Lizzie. We just relate. We stand a relatable queen. We do. We do. So it's not snowing anymore how many months has it been? Where are we? What time is it? Is it still winter? No, we're getting into March now. Oh, okay. It's March. So Jane's been gone for a long time. Oh yeah. Jane
1: spends like a solid chunk of the year in London.
0: Cool. So there it's March. Lizzie is wearing a phenomenal dress in this part. It's like a brown top bit. I don't know what it's called in like a little jacket and it like, has this little neck and a fun pattern on it. I just love this dress. I want this dress for myself. We might need to post a picture to Instagram because this is indeed an audio medium. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. Do it. It's worth it. The dress is worth it. It needs to be
1: seen. It's a very worth it dress. It is dress. a very good
0: dress. Wickham calls on Lizzie at Longbourn because she is leaving to go visit Charlotte at Kent. And... Oh, and in my notes, I said, oh, I guess it's March. So (laughs) we are in March. He says that he wanted to visit her one last time. He could just not let her go without seeing her again, which is grody because he is now engaged to Miss King, according to Lizzie, who says she hears she is to congratulate him. And he says she must hate him. And she is very good natured about it. Like we talked about earlier, she's like, nah, it's okay. I get it. Well,
1: something they skip over in the books that happens that I think explains why Lizzie's so chill is that her aunt, Mrs. Gardner, in the books tells her, girl, you know you can't marry that guy. He's so poor. Like, you respect my opinion. I'd get over it. That's
0: the scene in the book. They're at a theater show, a play. Whoa, what? I forgot what a
2: play was called. A theater show. (laughs) It's
0: been a while, honey. They're at a play and they're whispering This is the whispered scene at the play where they're whispering really loudly and everyone around them is watching this play. And they're just talking about how she can't marry Wickham and how Miss King has a lot of money and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, yes, we skipped that. So
1: like if you add into the like her being chill about this, being like chill girl TM, add in the fact that she kind of knew she couldn't marry Wickham anyway, Mm -hmm. practically it makes a little bit more sense that she's not, like, broken up about it.
2: Okay, yeah, that makes a lot more sense because I did feel like, I know that Lizzie gets over stuff quickly, but it did feel unnaturally quick. It seemed she was way too chill about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he says, I want you to know, had things been different, and she's like, yes, had Mr. Darcy never had a son, like, meaning had Mr. He not wanted to, like, she doesn't understand what he's saying here.
1: Meaning that, if old Mr. Darcy had not died and left his fortune to Mr. Darcy, then Wickham would have gotten his living, and then, like, she could have married Wickham. Because he would have been rich. Got it. Because
0: she doesn't know that Darcy's in love with her yet. Nope. So that wouldn't have made sense if she was <laughs> saying that. No, she's she's talking about Wickham's poverty. Got it, got it, got it. Got it. So, then she pulls another leaf off of a tree. Classic.
1: <laughs> I've honestly never noticed that.
0: Yeah, no, she does. And then she's, like, kind of sad, but she's being a good person. She says she wishes him every happiness in the world. And they decide that they're going to part good friends, which is something that does get glossed over in the book. I remember being like, are Lizzie and Wickham really just going to be bros? Like, I wanted them to get together. I can't believe. And they don't actually talk about how they're going to be friends. It's just like, all right, we're friends now. So I appreciated seeing this moment played out. Then she's getting ready to leave to go to Kent and Mr. Bennett is watching her and they're joking about how she has to go hang out with Collins and Lady Catherine and how is she so excited? And Lizzie's like, oh, yeah, I'm so excited. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) I love their relationship here, though. Daddy Bennett and Lizzie. Oh, yeah. It's really
1: sweet. You see that little snippet of the like the genuine modern relationship between Daddy Bennett and Lizzie, which is really Daddy Bennett's biggest good quality. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He's like really nervous that she's leaving because he, she is the smart one and Jane is gone already. So it's going to be him, Kitty, the mom, and Mary, who they leave out of things anyway. So he's sad that she's going away. And she's going away for a while. They don't actually specify how long she's going to be gone, but she's going to be gone for quite some time. Then we go to Rosings. Well, first we go to what's it called? The Parsonage? Yes, we do. I really like Mariah's outfit. It's like green, like a green coat thing with a pink inside and... I'm so excited to get to hang out with Mariah at long. I just...
2: <laughs> I love how much you love her. This is great.
0: I really do. This is big. This is big because we kept forgetting she existed in the book.
2: It's a big come up. Yeah, they
0: don't ever mention that she's even there. Like,
1: <laughs> she's there and then she's not. And it will be like, and then Lizzie was walking with Mariah. And you're like, wait, what? Who's Mariah?
2: When when did she show up?
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm really excited that we get to actually meet her and see her. And I think I kind of relate to her a little bit. Just she's she's very... Impressionable. I'm not going to say I'm impressionable, but she is impressionable about Lady Catherine. And I like that as like a clue in for the audience, because so far, the only way we've heard about Lady Catherine is through Collins. And he's obviously blowing her way out of proportion. But seeing Mariah like taking it all in is really fun for me. Mm-hmm. So when we get there, Charlotte has another... Like eyes bugging out of her head moment. And she's like, Lizzie, I'm so glad to see you. I also clocked the little marriage bonnet she's got on her head now. You notice all the
1: ladies were married, wear those little bonnets. I didn't notice. I i mean, I noticed the bonnets. I just
0: didn't know that was a married thing. Yeah, me neither. Think about it. Mrs. Bennett, Louisa, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Huh. Cool. Yeah, I like hers. The more you know. The more you know. So Collins gives them a tour of the house and he starts out by talking about how good the staircase is because it's not too shallow nor too steep. And love
2: conversations back in the day.
0: Yeah. Like we love a good staircase. Love it. OK. Even back in the day, this was a bad
1: conversation. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> and you can see that Sir William wants to participate because he starts talking about the staircases at um what's it called? The, the court, St. James's Court. And Mr. Collins interrupts him and just like totally goes off on another subject about the staircases at Rosings. Then we get up to the room that Lizzie's going to be staying in, and we have another Cousin Elizabeth moment. It's Ugh.
2: always so creepy.
0: We hate it. He shows her how wonderful her closet is, and he says that Lady Catherine specifically suggested that these shelves be placed in the closet exactly as they are, and Lizzie has a moment where she goes, shelves in the closet? A happy thought indeed. And I wanted to know, do people normally fill their closets with shelves in this time or because I'm in my closet right now recording as one is wont to do and Mm -hmm. I do have shelves but mostly it's for hanging things is that different I have absolutely no idea listeners if that would be
1: a listener question yeah if you
0: know why they have shelves in the closet and if this is weird for Lizzie let us know
2: for all of our 250 year old listeners out there let us know if you had shelves growing up and if that was a high (laughs) symbol of status
1: (laughs) Listen, we have some bless their heart nerdy listeners who know quite a bit about different historical specifics Mm -hmm. of the Austin era. And when I cannot be nerdy enough, they do the, the best job filling in the blanks and we love them.
2: No, you appreciate that. We all do love that.
1: Yeah. But Charlotte's face in this moment is like it like almost melts. You see a part of her die. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's kind of her whole thing during this is not saying much, but showing it all on her face and trying not to for Collins, but we see it. Then we get to hear a little bit about Charlotte's life there because Mr. Collins brings Mariah and Sir William out to the gardens. And Charlotte tells Lizzie that Collins gardens every day and she encourages him very much. And Lizzie's like, well, that must be very beneficial exercise. And Charlotte's like, yes, I also encourage him to walk to Rosings every day. And Lizzie's like, is that necessary? And Charlotte's like, probably not. And Lizzie's like, walking <laughs> is very beneficial exercise. <laughs> so two
1: things here. One, she wants him out of the house so she doesn't have to talk to him. And two, she's definitely tiring him out so he's too tired to have sex with her at night. Yeah.
2: Wow. <laughs> Big yikes moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. We really like Charlotte. We think that she's done well for herself on this podcast because she gets a really nice house, she gets a good living, and she mostly spends her time alone reading, which is kind of what she likes. But it's sad. It's a little sad.
2: Yeah, it's sad, but it's like, given the situation of, oh my gosh, she's 27, she, how, her life is over, she's basically a widower, <laughs> I think that it's like a it's like a best-case scenario, worst-case scenario. Like, oh no, this is terrible, but at least, you, you know, you look at the silver lining of like nice house, books, you know, husband that you can just kick out of the house a lot,
0: it works. Yeah, you know? he's kind of like a puppy, you know?
1: <laughs> Don't insult puppies like that. <laughs>
0: You're right. Then Charlotte goes out. She's somewhere. And Lizzie is hanging out by herself. And Mariah comes running in and she just bursts through the door and she says, Lizzie, come quick. There is such a sight to be seen. She does a full spin and then runs out of the room. So Lizzie mm-hmm. follows her mm-hmm. and we look out the window and there is a carriage there with Anne de Berg and Mrs. Jenkinson, her caretaker, and Lizzie comments on how good a wife she will make for someone She doesn't say who because she looks sickly and irritable and like annoying. She doesn't like Andanderberg rude, and she's really glad that she's gonna marry Darcy. Also, did they paint Anda Berg with like shock? Yes, in this episode? Yes, she looks kind of like Edward Cullen in Twilight.
1: Mm. she looks like she's powdered all over like. So Berg's only real defining characteristic in the book is that she's sickly. Not
2: great. Not great. No,
1: we hate it. Except that everybody in the book uses that as a way to talk about how bad she is. And it's like, it's not her fault.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's wild.
0: Yeah, it sucks. I don't like it as like a defining characteristic, but Lizzie loves it because that means that Darcy is going to be unhappy in marriage and she hates Darcy. But I don't like this aspect of the book. In any event, we don't love Making fun of a woman because she's sick. Right. So then it's time for our first dinner at Rosings, Ooh. and my notes say, "Okay, Rosings is hot. Like that's a hot house. <laughs> it has some great bushes outside. They're very quaffed. It's got nice ass windows. Quaffed
2: bushes. Heck, yeah. <laughs> what a turn of phrase.
0: <laughs> you can tell that they are. They're tended to, and I don't they're know. Qu- it's a really no. Nice they're place.
2: very apt description. Quaffed ass bushes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, they." Are. <laughs> As and they're walking up and Mariah and Sir William are like shaking in their boots, kind of like, kind of like, ooh, when they're going to the Emerald City in the Wizard of Oz and the lion and the <laughs> scarecrow are like, ah! that's what's happening here. But Lizzie is chill. Lizzie is chill AF. And Collins is telling her, don't worry about your outfit. Lady Catherine doesn't mind if people are dressed not as nice as her. She likes to have the distinction of rank preserved. And Lizzie doesn't care about the dig that he takes at her there. That is almost an exact quote from the book,
1: but it's like the rudest thing to say to anybody before they're about to enter a room. Yeah.
0: Colin sucks so much.
2: Yeah. What's the exact line again?
0: Oh, oh my God. Okay. So... Oh, I have my book. Oh yeah. Read the line. <laughs> okay. Um, this is the exact quote. Do not make yourself uneasy, my dear cousin, about your apparel. Lady Catherine is far from requiring that elegance of dress in us which becomes herself and her daughter. I would advise you merely to put on whatever of your clothes is superior to the rest. There is no occasion for anything more. Lady Catherine will not think the worse of you for being simply dressed. She likes to have the distinction of rank preserved.
2: It's That is like the 1800s version of, I just love that you can wear anything. Yeah. <laughs> and you make it look
1: good. You're a real risk taker in fashion. Don't worry, no one's noticing. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah
1: exactly. Also, that brings us to Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Yes, mm. it does. <laughs> so... Sorry, I lost my spot again. We're talking about how Lady Catherine has lemur energy at
0: this point. Yeah, her eyes are huge. They're like bugging out of her face. And she's talking about Lizzie. Like she isn't even there. She's telling Charlotte that Lizzie seems like a very pretty sort of girl. And then she turns to Lizzie and she asks about her sisters and if they're out. And Lizzie says, yes, all of them are out. And then we get this giant dramatic zoom onto Lady Catherine's face this is probably my favorite part of the episode and she goes <laughs> what and then it zooms in on her face and she's like all of them out at once and it's like so horror film like someone's just seen something like a ghost and it zooms in on their face and they're like oh, that's what's happening here yeah.
2: This camera work was so intense that I had to pause it and ask Kelly, like, why is this such a big deal? And then she had to explain the whole, usually, like, you know, you let someone out and then they get married and the other person can go out, but the benefits are different and all that. But it was, yeah, the camera thing, it was so distinct that it was like, okay, I'm, I'm missing something, but what am I missing it here? It really
0: tells <laughs> how horrified she is. But also November. it's so, yeah. like, it's not in the style of the rest of the film at all. No, it's
2: so out of place. It is so out of place. It's like, I, I like Stanley Kubrick or Alfred Hitchcock yes. or one of those like horror directors like sat there and was like, guys,
1: hold on. <laughs> I've got it. Honestly, that kind of works for Catherine de Bourgh to be a Hitchcock character, just for, like the only character that's a Hitchcock character, yes. because she it needs to capture that not only is she a mean old lady, but she's also
0: extremely dramatic. Yes. Mm-hmm. She is one for the high drama, and Lizzie talks back to her at this point, and she says, "Well, you know, I don't think it would be fair to deny the younger sisters their share of society just because the older sisters aren't married or aren't inclined to get married." Speaking of herself, because she doesn't want to get married until she falls in love. And Mariah, stressed, <laughs> it like zooms in on her face, and she is sitting there like, "Oh no, oh no, what's happening?" And then it zooms in on Collins, and Collins is shocked that she is speaking like this to Lady Catherine and Charlotte is pretty much the same as she has been like oh dear what's happening what have I gotten myself into
2: it is so strange to think it like the things that Elizabeth and, and I guess Jane Austen was trying to use this book to to fight against the like stigma and what was normal and acceptable in culture at the time it is wild to think that that's the kind of shit that needed to be fought for is like right. oh like, you, it's so hard to, like, look back and see the things she's fighting for and everyone's, like, freaking out about it. It's like, this is such a normal, like, this is the lowest bar possible that she is asking for. Yeah. The 1800s sound atrocious.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really fun to be a, a rich white dude in the 1800s, but... Sucks for Even then, else. you have to repress everything. And so, like, high society was, like, oppressive to the people who had to be in it all the time. Mm-hmm. And Jane mm-hmm. Austen clearly was oppressed by the society and you can feel it in the words she wrote because she's making fun of it with every fiber of her being right yeah
0: the best part about the 1800s are those dresses which I hated at the beginning yep. Yep, 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 but yep, at yep. this point I'm like so down for it I love the little jackets that they have I love all of it I thought that they were not flattering now I'm like you know what it makes everyone look tall I'm here for it I just yeah
2: they do make everyone look
1: tall. Like,
0: everyone's probably, like, not as tall as I think they are, but they all look so
1: tall. <laughs> also, they're supposed to, like, give women, first of all, they're supposed to highlight the boobs. Which they do, well. Second of all, they're supposed to give women, like, a look of, like, a flowy Renaissance painting sort of thing.
2: Mm. Yeah, the 1800s were not really built for uh, butt people which as a, as a butt person, I feel personally offended that the 1800s were not were not designed for us.
0: Not your time to shine. <laughs> so then we get into Lizzie's age. Lady Catherine's like, you give your opinions very freely for someone. Wow, I've watched this episode four times. Yikes. <laughs> you started imitating her, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, you give your opinions very freely for someone who's so young. How old are you? And Lizzie's like, I'm not going to tell you that. And Lady Catherine is like, What? And she's like, okay, I'm 20. So Lizzie's 20. And (laughs) Lady Catherine then does this like huge one eyebrow lift at Lizzie's being 20 and being so pushy about saying words. I don't know, speaking your mind, I guess. How dare you? (laughs) And then Lady Catherine goes on to change the subject. And as soon as she looks back at Lizzie, we zoom in on her face again, and her face is like good-natured, good-natured, and then all of a sudden, cut to her glaring at Lizzie. <laughs> I want to post this clip on our social media because it is so do iconic. It, do it. Honestly, it, w- it would make an amazing gif as well. Yes. Cut to Lizzie, Charlotte, and Mariah walking along a trail. I think Lizzie might have another branch in her hand. Uh, Mariah's picking flowers, so there's that. And Collins comes... Rinting towards them, like doing puppy dog feet, like jumping up and down, saying, You gotta come quick. Mr. Darcy is coming. And this is the point in the book where I was like, I guessed something right. I think this is the first time, but I was like, There's no way she's going and not gonna see him. So I was really happy about that. And Mariah immediately sprints off after him, and Lizzie and Charlotte like go to walk at a leisurely pace. And This is where we get our first hint that Charlotte thinks that Darcy likes Lizzie because she says he wouldn't have come if she wasn't here. Then we get back to the house and we meet Colonel Fitzwilliam, my Fitzpatrick. So in the book, Colonel Fitzwilliam is described as being kind of like the homely best friend. But like super charming. Super charming, but this guy is hot.
2: Yeah, this dude's an attractive boy.
0: He actually rocks the mutton chops.
2: What one of the one of the few?
0: <laughs> yeah, one of the
1: only, I would say. Oh yeah, I mean, he's disturbingly good looking. It like was distracting <laughs> for a solid chunk of this episode.
0: Yeah, I mean, how could Lizzie not fall in love with Fitzwilliam? And like, it's never even a know. thing. You know,
2: he's so great. He seems so wonderful.
1: He's great. Well, they discuss in the book again. This is cut from the movie version that Fitzwilliam, because he's not the oldest in his family needs to marry a woman of a certain class and so Lizzie is sort of out of the picture for that, but they're bros Mm. and that's not really touched upon here. So you just have a very like charming, good-looking dude hanging out with Lizzie and Darcy sitting in the corner stewing in his own discomfort and sexual desire and you're like, yeah, she goes for that guy.
0: Yeah, the framing in this part was really good. I mean, it was a little bit like, everyone was in a window, like it was staged perfectly. It was a Renaissance painting. Yeah, it was like, oh, (laughs) we're hanging out in a room, but you can see everybody. Fitzy and, oh, we call him Fitzy, by the way. Good, 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 good. Oh, but did you know that Fitzy is his last name and Darcy's first name?
2: Wait, what? What? Darcy's name is Fitzwilliam Darcy? Yes. Yes. Whoa.
0: And this guy's name is like something Fitzwilliam, which is just crazy to me so darcy is named for his mother's maiden name uh, uh, we've
1: talked about this but every time it just blows my mind yeah i was saying it's like those people who have two last names as a name mm-hmm. and you have a friend who has a last name i as do first name. i do
0: we've talked about her before and every time i'm like oh right okay fitzwilliam darcy got it but <laughs> this guy colonel fitzwilliam and lizzie are talking and they're talking about darcy they're talking about how fitzy has heard nothing but good about Lizzie all praise and Lizzie's like that's a little weird <laughs> like Darcy's my harshest critic and Darcy comes over and he's like staring at her and Lizzie's like why is he staring at me and then he comes over and his face is like glaring and then he does the one subtle eyebrow tilt and he's like, I hope your family is well. And his whole face is like softened and he loves her, but she can't tell yet. yet. Oh, yeah. And you just know he
1: planned out saying those words so carefully in his head while he was staring at her.
0: Definitely. He was thinking about it. And she's like, "They're they're pretty well. And she asks him if he had seen Jane in London because they're both in London. And he's like, no, I have not had that pleasure of seeing Jane, which... It's true, but he knows that she's there and he's keeping it. But we don't know that yet as the audience. Then he kind of walks away and he's looking out the window because he doesn't know how to hold on a conversation for longer than like two lines. And Fitzy and Lizzie are talking about how Darcy and her aren't very good friends. But Fitzy says that surprises him very much. And Lizzie says, well, Darcy's good opinion, once lost, is lost forever, which is something that Darcy said to her while they were dancing that first time. And Darcy looks at her and he's like, she remembered. (laughs) And it's really cute, but also so sad for him. I love him so much. Hello, it's Molly from the future hopping in to tell you about a new season of one of my absolute favorite podcasts. Hot and Bothered, hosted by returning Pod and Prejudice guest Vanessa Zoltan, is a podcast that treats romance as sacred. You've probably all already heard of this podcast because in their fourth season, they covered Pride and Prejudice. And now Hot and Bothered is back with a season that is all about romantic films. The first 10 episodes of this new season follow Vanessa as she learns how to critically watch movies by looking closely at the classic 2003 rom-com How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. After 10 episodes, Vanessa will be joined by her co-host, Hannah McGregor, a media studies scholar, author, and podcaster. And together, they'll look at romantic films from Casablanca to Love in Basketball to When Harry Met Sally. Which starts out with Lizzie walking in the woods. Rosings is a really beautiful park. We get to see that in this, which we like haven't really gotten to see before. Or like here, it's huge. This gives you an idea of why
1: they all go on big walks to the big house in town, mm-hmm. because the big house has the big moor around it, and there's just sheep and pretty landscape. And so all they have to do with their time is walk around it.
0: Yeah, which is nice, and. Lizzie's walking in the woods. She runs into Darcy. He's on a horse, and he stops, and he stares at her, and she stares at him, and he <laughs> looks around uncomfortable. Flirting. <laughs> flirting! That's what flirting in this time period was, except she's not aware that it's happening. And... Which also happens <laughs> nowadays, too. Yes, it does. Um, he turns and rides away because he's done with his flirting for the day.
1: <laughs> also, his hat in this scene is, like, the size of his face.
0: Oh, yeah. And he's wearing that hat later, too. Oh, yes.
2: Quite, quite large.
0: Yeah, it's a very good hat. Then we jump to Lizzie playing at the pianoforte with Fitzwilliam and everyone else in the other room watching them through the doorway, which was a hilarious shot. It was like them at the piano pans over to the doorway and everyone's like twisted around in their seats to watch. And she's not even playing something that's very exciting. So I just loved this. Lady Catherine yells from the other room that she's never going to play really well unless she practices, which is a very Lady Catherine thing to say. Plus, she hates Lizzie at this point. Yeah, question here.
1: Do you think that Lady Catherine, when she is being this mean, is negging people because she feels bad about herself? Or do you think that Lady Catherine is genuinely trying to help and has no social skills? Or both?
2: I vote negging. I vote negging.
0: Yeah, same.
1: Vicious woman.
0: Okay. She also hates Lizzie, so she's going to just be mean to her for fun. Right. My favorite part of the scene is when she says something along
1: the lines of, yes, learning the art of the piano is very important, especially better than Lizzie has done it. If I ever learned, I would have been amazing. But we know that she doesn't do it herself.
2: They've also very much the hair and makeup department have decided, how do we give her the most evil haircut? Yeah. (laughs) With the little curls by her face.
0: Those are the like curls of doom right at her temples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then Darcy gets up and walks into the room with the piano and stands in front of Lizzie. And Lizzie is like, Are you trying to scare me by standing there? And she says that her courage always rises with every attempt to intimidate her, which I thought was chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. And he is loving it. He you can see this little smile at the corners of his lips when she insults him. <laughs> Because that's his brand. <laughs> Colin for the so masterful here because
1: simultaneously you see how uncomfortable he is, but also how much he is enjoying the repartee at the same time. It's like very complicated on his face, but it's all there. Yeah,
0: we love him. She and Fitzy are joking and making fun of him in front of him. And he says in this voice that really reminds me, Mike, I don't know if you're a Star Wars person, but I'm a Star Wars person. And he says, I am not afraid of you in a voice that sounds just like and McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. That doesn't it?
2: Mm, I could see it. Yeah, I could see it.
1: Yeah. I take so many notes on the costumes here because I think the visuals are so interesting right. for how they tell the story here. And Lizzie is like, June is busting out all over. Lizzie is busting out all over. She, not physically. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that down a peg. Uh, so this is the scene where Lizzie is like getting to be the most charming person in the room. She's getting to be the belle of the ball because she's Charlotte's pretty friend who's come to visit. And so all these men are paying her all this attention. And also she's really like shining personality wise and really like having a ball just entertaining people. And you see her in this like floaty, light green material that's very different than the dresses she was wearing at Longbourn. Mm -hmm. You see her more dressed up, a little bit more centering herself as the pretty one. It's like, it's nice.
0: It is. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because something we talked about when we were at this point in the book is how we are getting to see her as something separate from her family in this section. And that's like she's always very overshadowed by the extraness of her family in the other parts. So I, like... I don't know what you
1: could possibly be talking about. Mrs. Ben, it's a wallflower <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then, She starts gossiping with Fitzy about how Darcy didn't dance with anyone at that first ball and how he didn't talk to anyone. And Darcy says that he is not qualified to recommend himself to strangers. And Lizzie turns to Fitzy and she's like, well, should we ask him why? And I remember this part in the book. It's like very cute that she's talking kind of to him through Fitzwilliam. And Darcy in this moment just goes, um... Which I thought was so cute because he never gets to really do that in the book. He's like, um, uh well, I don't have that talent which others possess for conversing easily with strangers. And Lizzie says she doesn't play piano well, but it's her own fault because she doesn't practice.
2: It's a great retort.
0: It is. And Then he says that neither of them perform for strangers and Lady Catherine then goes, what are you talking about? And then Darcy has this brilliant eye roll where you can just see the years of him having to put up with Lady Catherine because she's his aunt. And he's just like, ugh. Then we get Lizzie writing to Jane about how There's no love between Darcy and Anne de Bourgh, but she sees that Lady Catherine's determined to have them married and she will not be opposed. These are
1: all different little observations. This, again, is Jane as the sounding board for the things that we need to know Lizzie's thinking, Mm. because Lizzie just thinks all this to herself in the books.
0: This is something actually, Mike, in relation to Harry Potter yet again, I was thinking there's a lot of narrator in Jane Austen. And this is something that's come up on your podcast a lot, which is that when it's turned into a movie, all of the narrator is kind of lost right. and you need to find other ways to say it.
2: Yeah, I think it, I think in Harry Potter, it's harder because like there's more action going on, whereas like when you look at Pride and Prejudice. The only real action besides from like garbage dancing and like playing with you know, like the wooden hoop with like a stick or whatever (laughs) they did back in the 1800s, yeah. Like the only action is people having conversations and like talking about drama and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think it fits into these film TV adaptations for Pride and Prejudice a bit more smoothly because if there is, like you're saying, if there is something that Lizzie thinks or the narrator says it's much easier to adapt it into a conversation since like right. this whole book is conversations.
0: Yeah. Or like letters, like write a letter about it.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Exactly. There's like a lot of ways to intersplice the narrator where it would have been into it. Whereas in Harry Potter, it's harder to do it because there's so much action that you have to show in the
0: movie. Right. Right. Which is why the Harry Potter movies are bad, but that's oh, bad. They're very <laughs> bad.
2: They're very bad. They're bad. They're bad.
0: But I also think it's
1: a matter of centering as well because like, Not to give anything away, but there are other adaptations of Pride and Prejudice that choose to convey these things slightly differently than this one. But this one has the gift of time because there's, like is often talked about on Potter lists, how Harry Potter is a movie when it should be a 10 part episode series. Mm -hmm. This is a six part series. So you have all this time to break down this book and they actually get to show these introspective moments as well.
0: Yeah. I'm a little bit worried for the 2005 version starring Kieran Knightley. I don't think I'm going to like it very much, but that's just not the as good. Prediction. It's not as good. Nice. Good. It
1: is not as good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm withholding my own judgments until we get there because I want to do, do it its own piece and not have it totally just be overshadowed by this really excellent Colin Firth one.
0: Sure. <laughs> yes fair So anyway, we're getting into the meat and potatoes here because the doorbell rings and it's Darcy and he runs in and I wonder if at this moment he was thinking that he might propose to her. I don't know. I don't think that's how it was in the book, but I think the movie or the the show tried to show him being like maybe this is maybe I'm gonna do it. He knows that they're gone. I'm sure he does. That everyone else is gone and that Lizzie is alone. I mean, and he comes in and then he loses all of his reserve that he had had to do that and. sits down and they sit in silence for a long time together in the in the parlor. (laughs) She asks him about Bingley returning to Netherfield and Darcy says he's probably not coming back. He wouldn't be surprised if he sells the house. And then he says that this is a nice house. Lady Catherine did a lot to it. They joke a little bit for the first time about Collins and Charlotte and how that's a very fortunate match. Darcy says that it's very convenient that Charlotte is settled so near her family. And Lizzie says, that's not close. It's 50 miles. And Darcy says, it's 50 miles of good road. And Lizzie says, well, it's possible for a woman to be settled too near her family. And Darcy lights up and he says, yes, you would, I assume, not wish to be settled too near to Longbourn. And I always thought reading this in the book, I thought that he was saying He was, like, trying to flirt with her and say, you would want to live in Pemberley. And I was like, that's weird. He's not even in love with her yet. What's going on? But what he's saying is, you wouldn't want to be too close to your family because you're different from them. And she's like, what? That takes her back a little bit. Also, the way that they're set up in the scene, is just, like, three apart from each other, just sitting and staring. (laughs) This is what all of my socially distant hangs have looked like since quarantine
1: started. This is just a coronavirus hang. Yeah. Jane Austen knew all the way back in the day that one could flirt without being in the six foot vicinity of another person. Yes,
0: she did a good job. And then Darcy gets up and leaves because he, again, doesn't know how to hold a conversation for longer than that. (laughs) And that brings us to scene eight, which in my notes has a million exclamation points after it because this is Proposal Get In.
1: Baby. Although one of our listeners wants us to switch to Propocalypse, so shouts to Propocalypse (laughs) as a counterpoint to Proposal Get In. Either way, he doesn't do a good
0: job here. He does not. So Lizzie is walking by herself along a lane, and Fitzy runs into her, and he's lovely, and he asks if she wants to walk with him. So they walk together for a time, and they start discussing Mr. Bingley, and it comes up that Darcy lately saved Bingley from a very disadvantageous marriage, and Lizzie is like, what? And Fitzy doesn't know what is going on. He doesn't know that it was Lizzie's sister, and Lizzie is pissed. She thinks correctly that this means that Darcy has stopped Bingley from wanting to marry Jane, though Bingley still wants to marry Jane, but he stopped the marriage from happening. And she stops walking. She says she has a headache, which is very of the time, I think. And... Fitzy walks her home, but he doesn't understand why she's being sad.
1: Honestly, the guy who plays Fitzy is just so hot that he's actually distracting in the scenes. <laughs> like,
0: I almost thought one way that the scene could be read was Lizzie got pissed because the marriage was supposed to be with her. And then he was like, wait, I thought we had a thing going. But that's like obviously not what's happening. But I thought maybe that could be what he thought was happening. Well, I think he's also just like, oh, ladies and their sensitivities. She, she is ill now. She has taken ill. I will take her home. Yes. She will lie down. Yes. So Lizzie's going to stay home while everyone else goes to dinner at Rosings, and Collins is like, oh no, oh no, I hope Lady Catherine's not mad, in classic Collins fashion. But they leave. Lizzie's by herself, reading letters, when the doorbell rings, and Darcy again rushes into the room. He's like, Uh, I beg your pardon. I hope you're feeling better.
2: The way the man enters rooms, it's just urgent is the perfect word. He enters a room and he's like, I have, I have something to achieve in this room
0: because he's planned it out. And then he's just silent because he gets there and he's like, fuck.
2: Oh, now what do I do?
0: Yeah, (laughs) guys, I counted how many seconds on the. I like paused (laughs) it when he came in the room and i paused it again when he started talking and he was silent pacing for 49 seconds. Oh my god.
2: Woof.
0: That's a long
1: time. That is a long time. Really long. As we can tell there's three extroverts on this podcast and Mike, i don't know you super well but i can say for at least me and Molly we fill all the
0: dead air with conversation. Yeah. Oh, 49 oh, seconds yes. is a long time. A long time. 4.9 seconds is too long. Yeah. Exactly. So then he he launches into Proposal Get In, or Propocalypse. He says it cannot be helped. He has tried for too long not to be in love with her, but he must tell her now how ardently he admires and loves her. And she's like, what? I have to say,
1: they're both great here, but Jennifer Eel's performance in this scene is mm-hmm. perfect. She is.
2: A plus, A plus. I remember when we got to this part in the book in high school, this was when like me and now all of my gossipy uh, group of boys, (laughs) we all like came back and we were like, what a shitty proposal from Darcy. That was so bad. (laughs) Yes. We were all mortified.
0: Listen, it taught you what not to do.
1: Yeah. yeah, This is
0: a really big what not to do. Yeah. Lizzie actually looks genuinely hurt by what he's saying because he launches into how any connection between them must be considered reprehensible. Reprehensible. That's a big word. Awful. It's just a really, it's shocking that he doesn't even
1: clock how insulting this is, that he's basically just like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy that I like you. I mean, I can't believe it. No one in society will believe it, but I can't help it. So uh, yeah, you're my wife now. Yeah.
2: It's the worst thing. I hate that I like you so much. I've tried so hard to not like you. It goes against my better judgment. I really think this is a horrible idea, but I've tried so hard to fight it, and I can't conquer it. Hey, do you want to get married?
0: Exactly. End quote. Fitzwilliam Darcy. She says that in cases such as these, it would normally, she would express an obligation, but she cannot. She says that she doesn't want his good opinion. She never has, and she is sure that he'll get over it. He at first looks like he might actually cry like he's a little bit hurt like oh she's not saying yes and then he gets angry and he's like how how are you denying me so easily
2: I do gotta say I I I appreciate how direct he was sure like I respect the fact that he was like okay I want direct feedback now
0: yeah (laughs) that is
1: true he's like okay what what wrong
0: yeah you know things about Darcy's proposal that actually are kind of self-aware he says after she tells him that she has every reason to think ill of him. She knows that he ruined Jane's happiness and she knows that he ruined Wickham's happiness. Darcy says that he would not hide anything about him. He says disguise of every kind is my abhorrence. He would not put up any kind of front. He's going to be upfront with her. He's wealthier than her. He's honest. Like, that's the one thing about this that is actually kind of respectable is that he is honest with her. He's not lying to her like Wickham is. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Right.
2: Incredibly straightforward.
1: Yeah. That's the crux of what's good about Mr. Darcy. And what's bad about Mr. Darcy is that his flaws of character are not things he's hiding right now. Yeah. That's why this proposal sucks. It sucks.
0: And he says that his offenses might have been overlooked had her pride not been hurt by his honest confession of how he feels and how he has tried not to feel and this part hit me in the face because the entire book I was like oh Darcy's proud and Lizzie's prejudiced against him for that first thing that he said about her being tolerable but not handsome enough to tempt him Lizzie is proud and Darcy's prejudiced against her because she's poor and she has too much pride to let go of that Huh. yeah double meanings it, I it's in the title I know <laughs> It is in the title. So then she says the thing that we now know we who just finished reading the book for the first time that she says, had you behaved in a more gentleman like manner, I still never would have accepted you. And he like takes that in. He's going to remember that line. And she says it in a way that he'll remember it. Actually. okay, this is the part. So I posted on Instagram that I was finally watching this episode and one of our listeners sent me a video where i know <laughs> what you're talking about it's lizzie's rejection of his proposal set to like edm and it's like <laughs> no it's the turned down for what and then it just like drops the bass.
2: oh amazing
0: it's phenomenal we'll post it it's so good and she's like saying it all in perfect time too like it is the diss to end all this is.
2: Please, please email me this when we finish the recording. Absolutely, please, please, absolutely please. <laughs> yes. it's
1: incredible. Uh, I think someone also did it with um Harry and Malfoy. The handshake.
0: The <gasps> I think <sighs> I could tell the wrong stuff for myself. Thanks, and then it just goes turn down for what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. Then he is. He turns bright red and he's like, "Okay, I get it." Actually, quote, I perfectly comprehend your feelings and now have only to be ashamed of what my own have been. And I think that here he's saying he's ashamed of how he felt about her family and all of this. Like he's understanding almost immediately what he's done wrong.
2: Yeah, I appreciated that he knows like he can take a hint. Yeah. (laughs) Like he he knows exactly like, well, this conversation has run its course. Uh, there's nothing else to be said. I'm just going to get the fuck out of (laughs) here. Uh, deuce. (laughs) Like, he
0: just leaves. He just leaves. And this is something that he knows about himself, is that he's much better on paper. He writes really well and he is gonna go and i don't think even a day passes before he gives her the letter that explains everything right oh yeah that's in the next episode
1: yeah mike if you haven't finished this series in a while i highly recommend finishing it because oh yeah things get spicy i (laughs) would imagine
2: that kelly and i will be watching all of these together yeah
0: great (laughs) excellent keep us posted on your thoughts because it's so good so far so that's the end of that scene i i I started crying. He walked away. Lizzie looks like the wind just got knocked out of her. And we know from the book that she immediately bursts into tears and cries for like two hours straight and gets her headache back. And all of the emotions happen here. So that's the end of that episode. Ooh. <sighs> Proposal get in. We did it, fam. This has been
1: quite an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much gets covered in this episode. But that brings us to a couple study questions are standbys for the tv series so first one is best line delivery Ooh, I have so many options for
0: this but i think we all kind of got a vibe that i was really loving mariah lucas in this episode and i think that my favorite has to be come into the dining room for there is such a sight to be seen make haste <laughs> and she like does a little twirl. yeah the
2: make haste yeah. oh the make haste line
0: she did jazz hands when she said it so mm-hmm.
1: i just loved that part I was going to go for, I had not known you a month before I decided you were the last man on earth I could ever be prevailed upon to marry because it's searing.
0: Yeah, though she Mm -hmm. doesn't Mm -hmm. say be prevailed upon in the movie. I Oh, yes. Which it doesn't feel right. Oh, she just says that in the book. She says it in the book. It doesn't feel right in the movie. It was like one beat of the rap was missing. (laughs) But I think that actually I have to go
1: with what? All five out at once. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that was my second choice.
2: I think I'm going to say all tied for first place is anytime someone said Mr. Darcy. Nice. All the different iterations, like, and Elizabeth has a really good one in this, like when he opens the door and she's surprised, she's like, Mr. Darcy. Yeah. <laughs> like they're all just phenomenal.
0: Yeah. We're going to have to find a compilation video of all of the times or one of our listeners yeah, has to make someone, it. Someone
2: please a super cut of time anyone says Mr. Darcy. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, excellent. That that I would
1: actually dedicate like 10 minutes of my life to just watching people say Mr. Darcy. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Darcy. <laughs> All right, any notable additions to the story via this movie and not the book that can be visual cues, that can be lines added, um, anything
0: that speaks to you? Well, I loved getting to know Mariah Lucas a little more. <laughs> <laughs> and Collins's beekeeping hat. He was wearing a beekeeping thing yeah. in the garden. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was really good. I think that seeing
1: the scene where Jane is in London and Caroline Bingley's A Bitch to Her mm. is yes. poetic cinema. Yes, it was
0: really good. Great.
2: I think for me, just all of the the fact that you can see people's facial expressions and the looks that they shoot at each other. Mm-hmm. I feel like the fact that you can see the corresponding scowls to insults and the raised eyebrows when people are surprised and shocked. I feel like just corresponding and combining Jane Austen's writing with some really solid facial reaction acting is fantastic.
0: Yes.
1: All right. Best and worst aspects of this hour-long stint of television.
0: Okay. Worst is Cousin Elizabeth. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yes.
1: Good choice.
0: I'm going to go with worst
1: being Mrs. Bennet's bows. Mm. during the christmas time scene. They were 100%. good. 100%. They were good. Good bad. They were bad. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Worst worst I would say is a tie between the dancing and the mutton chops. It's, <laughs> nice. it's a really neck-and-neck neck battle between the two. And then best I think is I think especially for me like I I didn't realize especially since I was just watching this episode that it wasn't going to be until halfway through the episode that I got my first taste of Mr. Darcy mm. and I had been waiting for it. And the fact that like Whoever says the line, like, Mr. Darcy is here, like, I sat up in my chair and I was like, yes! Like, I felt the same excitement as everyone else in the room yep. when they said it. So I think for me, that was just like, it was just such a good moment to be like, God, it's been 30 fucking minutes and I haven't seen Colin Further's as Mr. Darcy. And then it's like, here we go, baby! Oh, was
0: yeah, crazy. and then he's there. Yes, I had that same moment because I was like, Mike loves Mr. Darcy. Where is he? Where's Mr. Darcy? <laughs> but he was there.
2: It was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. It
1: was, of course. And then I think for me, the best moment, the cinematography around Catherine de Berg mm-hmm. in the scene with Lizzie meeting Catherine de Berg is the funniest cinematography that is done in this entire series.
0: Yes. I think the best part for me was getting to see Lizzie and Fitzy just palling out and being bros, guys being guys, dudes being dudes. I love them together. I love them as friends. And I loved that Fitzy was hot. Oh yes. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very God good, blessed. very good energy. I do think Fitzy, I'd have to double check the game, but I think as Elizabeth, if you play as Elizabeth in Marrying Mr. Darcy, your, your most points is if you get Darcy, but I think your second most points is if you end up with Fitzy.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my gosh. The board game makers uh, canonically know that that would be an excellent marriage of two people who enjoy up. each other's company. Yes. Oh,
0: exactly. Yeah. That'd be really fun. We got to play that game. Oh,
1: we're 100% playing that game. Yeah. The last question we have is who wins the episode? I'm going to give my win to Jennifer Eel. Mm. Yes. Because her ability in this last scene to capture both anger and hurt with the amount of vulnerability and strength that she has in that scene, uh, iconic. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like if you look at all the things Elizabeth does in this episode, it's like she gets to express disapproval of Charlotte's marriage situation and the fact that like not marrying for love. She gets to tell off Mr. Darcy for being a dingus. (laughs) She gets to have like good bro moments with Fitzy. She gets to not be that bothered by Wickham being rude to her. Like she has so many different moments that show that she's great. And it's just, it's like a, Full display of all of her talents in one episode. Yeah.
0: Eyebrow acting for the win. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. definitely give this to Jennifer Eel. I'll give everything, all of the wins to Jennifer Eel. I think that she's the perfect Elizabeth Bennett. All right, guys. That
1: concludes this episode of Pod and Prejudice. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute delight. Thanks for having me. This is
0: great. Yeah, this was so awesome. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet if they're not already following you?
2: Sure. So if you want to follow my stuff on social media my personal stuff i'm at shube 17 s-c-h-u-b-e-s-1-7 and then if you want to listen to my podcasts you can just search for potterless or horse or meddling adults or all three on spotify or apple or wherever you get your podcasts if you search for it it should show up
1: nice thank you so much for joining us listeners that concludes this discussion but until next time stay proper and find yourself a jennifer eel for sure oh yes We Mm -hmm. love that.
0: Pod and Prejudice is edited by Molly Burdick and audio produced by Graham Cook. Our beautiful show art is designed by Torrance Brown. To learn more about our show and our team, you can check out our website at podandprejudice.com. To keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pod and Prejudice. If you like what you hear, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash podandprejudice to see how you can support us or just drop us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.